Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about wrestling our way into opportunity. I, I want to talk about the opportunities that actually come out of adversity. And we've certainly been through a season that has certainly been unexpected. You know, none of us expected 2020 to be like it's been. None of us could have expected that we would be going through all the things that, that, that have happened in, in the last few months. It's been totally unexpected. And together and individually, we've been through different levels of adversity. Um, this has had in, an impact on people in all sorts of different ways. Um, many of you would have probably experienced some levels of frustration. Um, just before all, all this started, um, I, I went to Launceston and Alex and I had found what appeared to be um, a perfect caravan for, for our needs at this time and went up and had a look at it, um, had, a, had another meeting up there and it worked in really well. Um, Terence was with me and, and we, we bought this caravan and towed it back to Hobart, backed it up our driveway and was getting excited about going caravanning. But you know what happened, don't you? That caravan has not moved since I parked it in the driveway. We haven't been able to take it anywhere. And sometimes I look at it and feel a little frustrated with what we haven't been able to do. Sometimes I look and think, you're just a great big expensive box of frustration sitting there in my driveway that everybody's got to walk around. It's easy to feel frustrated with what's not been possible. It's easy to feel frustrated by the dreams and ideas that perhaps we've had to put on hold. You know what? We can, we can sit in frustration and we can sit in the frustration of what hasn't been able to happen or we can embrace the opportunity that's ahead of us with the wisdom that we've learned in the season that we've been through. You know, I want to encourage us, let's not sit in frustration, but let's embrace the opportunity that's ahead of us because in this season, God has been teaching us things. He's been doing a new thing in us. He's been doing a new thing in you. And I know he's got plenty for you. You know, I I read a quote this week and, and I think it's so true. It says, the place where your greatest frustration lives is where your greatest opportunity lies. The place where your greatest frustration lives is where your greatest opportunity lies. And and I think if if you're feeling frustrated about some things, maybe you've got to find out what the opportunity is in and through that frustration. And as I started to think about opportunity, um, God really took me to one of the great opportunists that we read about in the Bible. And, And of course, that's Jacob. Jacob was um, just an out-and-out opportunist. Um, He took some audacious opportunities and and the way that he he took some of those opportunities wasn't particularly great and and the the first thing that he did was he actually tricked his brother into giving him his birthright. Jacob was the the second-born son. That meant in, in, in the ancient world that the first-born always had the birthright so, so his brother was, was going to inherit everything that his father had. Um, so Jacob actually tricked him into giving the birthright to him. And, and a little while later, when, when, his, um, when his father Isaac uh, was about to die and, and, and it was customary for, for the father to impart a blessing, you know, normally on the oldest son, and, and 
and the old man is, is not got long left in this world and, and he's looking forward to, to praying for his son and pronouncing a blessing on him. And, and Jacob actually pretended he was his older brother and with the help of his mother they deceived his father and, and not only did he get the birthright but he also got the blessing of his father. This understandably caused an almighty rift between Jacob and Esau. And Esau said something along these lines. He said, after I bury my father, I'm coming for you and I'm going to kill you. And Jacob, understandably, got very scared. He spends the next 20 years of his life on the run. And it wasn't all bad. He marries two women. He has a big family and he becomes rich. And many of you think, well, great story, that's where it should end. But you know what? God had a lot more for him. He's still living in the fear of his cheated, angry brother. You know what? Some of us have have been through blessing. God has done so many good things in our world. We've actually been able to take up opportunities through our own wisdom and and so forth. We've accumulated wealth. We've got things. But you know what? We're still not living in fulfilment. There's there's a fear of what might happen. There's a fear of of things that have not yet been realised. And this was what God needed to deal with in Jacob and anyway he falls out with his father-in-law and he makes a treaty with him and he decides to do what God has asked him to do and return to his homeland. So now he needs to reconcile with his cheated angry brother and, and Jacob hadn't heard anything to the contrary other than his brother still wanted to kill him. And so this is the scene that I want to talk about now in, in the next few minutes that I've got. So he's rich, he's powerful and he's scared. He's been living in the benefits of his father's blessing but for Jacob to take the opportunity that is in front of him he actually needs to not only just live in his father's blessing but he actually needs to live in the blessing and the opportunity that his heavenly father wants to give him. And for him to do that, for him to fully receive God's promised blessing, God needed something from him. What did God need from Jacob? What does God need from you? What does God need from us so that we can step into the opportunities that he's got ahead of us in the season ahead? What does he need from us so that we can actually fully receive the blessing that is ours that he actually wants to pour out on us? And we know essentially God doesn't need anything. God is 100% self-sufficient. He doesn't need us to say nice things about him. He doesn't need us to do anything. He's complete in all that. But for him to bless you, there are things that he actually needs from you so that he can work in your life. So what does God need from you so he can bless you so that you can live in the fullness and take the opportunities that we'll present? So come with me this morning to to Genesis 32 and we're going to look at 22 to 28. It's a a little well-known passage for a lot of people and it says this. It says, During the night, Jacob got up and he took his two wives He's two, sorry, during the night Jacob got up and took two wives and his two servant wives. A servant wife. 
Who's got a servant wife? Anybody got a servant wife? Um, text me on, face, on Facebook, on the taskbar, if you've got a servant wife. I'm talking tongue-in-cheek. But anyway, it, it's funny when you read these, these ancient things. His 11 sons, and they crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp. What does God need from you? What does God need from you so you can live in the fullness of his blessing and take the opportunities that present? Well, like Jacob, I think he needs you, number one, if you're taking notes this morning, he needs you alone. You see, Jacob had this great big entourage, people wanting his attention. Um, you know, he, he, he had this big family. He, he had actually four wives. I don't know how he managed that, but, but you know, he had four wives and all the kids and, and all the people. He was the man. Everybody would have wanted something from him. They would have wanted his attention. But for God to deal with him so that he could take him into the next journey of his life, he needed to get him alone. Maybe... God actually needs to get you alone so that he can start to deal with some stuff in you. Once he was alone, God could command his attention. How long is it since God commanded your attention? You see, it took a crisis for God to get Jacob's attention. We've had a bit of a crisis, haven't we? We've been through it and and I guess we're still coming out of it in in many ways. Politicians say, let's never waste a good crisis. Has God got your attention? I, I think we've got to say, let's never waste a good crisis. Make sure God's got your attention. Let's not waste the opportunities that will flow and result from the season that's ahead of us. Verse 24, and it says... And the man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Wow. That's a pretty long wrestling match, isn't it? When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Yow. The man said, let's go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, what is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. Pretty, pretty powerful thing that he actually wrestles with God himself. Now we've got two young boys and one of the things that they love to do is wrestle. Wrestle each other, but wrestle me particularly. They love to wrestle me. And at this stage, that's slightly better, only slightly. It's slightly better than them wrestling each other because when they wrestle each other, it always ends badly. And if they wrestle me, well, I've got some sort of input into that. So I want to tell you some things that I've learned through these wrestling sessions. Number one, a six-year-old can hurt you. Number two, you need to protect your vital and precious organs. Uh, Number three, I'm pleased I took up cycling ten years ago. Um, Number four, I've got to predict and manage where that session is going. 
And number five, I need to protect the participants and myself in those sessions. And the last thing is, I've got to call time. I've actually got to know when they've had enough before it goes too far and I've got to be able to call time on it. If God can get your attention, he will wrestle with you. Now, it's interesting here, if you read the text, we often talk about Jacob wrestling with God, and and yes, he was, but it was actually God that came and wrestled with Jacob. Often we think, oh yeah, I'm in a fight, but you know what? We've actually got to allow God to come and wrestle with us. God wanted something from Jacob. God wanted Jacob's self-reliance and scheming and he came to deal with it. You know, what what does God want from you at the moment? He actually wanted to redeem the opportunistic deception that had been part of Jacob's life and he wanted to turn it into a God blessing. Now, I want to encourage you, you might be in a place where you think, wow, I've I've got some things in my world and and, and I've got stuff, but when I look back at the journey, I I know that God wasn't honoured in that or I know that this thing wasn't right or, or or I know some stuff just sort of leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. You know what? God wants to redeem those things and he wants to take you forward with a God blessing on what is going on in your life at the moment. You see, this for Jacob would ultimately make him a better man. But more than that, this would allow him to be humble enough to receive the blessing. A lot of us, it's not that God doesn't want to bless you. He actually wants to bless everybody. He actually needs us to be humble enough to be able to receive the blessing. What does God need from you? What does God need from you so that you can step into a God-blessed opportunity. Well, number two, I think he needs to be able to wrestle with you. God needs to be able to wrestle with you. Now, I I tested this recently. Um, I came home from writing this message and I gave it a little test. I said to our boys, I said, hey, you boys are going to feature in my sermon this week and you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about wrestling. And bam, they were on me like a shot. It was, I'd only just walked in the, into the lounge room, got home, and I mentioned that, and we were wrestling in a moment. It just happened like that. I don't have to ask them a second time, do you want to wrestle? They are straight into it and onto it. But you know what? If I ask you, most of you anyway, hey, do you want to wrestle? Most of you would look at me a bit weird, like, What's a a 50-year-old man doing asking me to wrestle? That's inappropriate. That's just weird. And, and of course, it would be. And you'd probably say, "Uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get hurt or I don't want to hurt you or I'm too old for that stuff. And you know what? I think there are people, and it's not even an age thing, you actually think you've come a distance in your journey with God and you feel like you're too old to wrestle stuff. 
You feel like you're too old to wrestle through some of the things that God wants to deal with in you. It's almost like, oh, it's just too hard to go there. I'm just going to, I'm going to park those things. I'm going to leave them. Do you know what? Inside you, you have a spirit man, you have a spirit woman, and that spirit man and that spirit woman isn't aging. In fact, I believe that that spirit man and that spirit woman is just as eager to wrestle through that stuff with God as a six-year-old boy is eager to, to wrestle with his father you know what that there is a part of you that doesn't age and you might feel old you might think old you might act old but you know what your spirit is young and it actually wants to deal with these things so number three what does God need from you he needs your willingness to wrestle he needs your willingness to wrestle come to him with that enthusiasm of a six-year-old boy Come to him and wrestle through your stuff. Wrestle through your insecurities. Wrestle through your unforgiveness. Wrestle through your fear. Wrestle through your disappointment. Have you ever heard people say that they've met some really shallow Christians? And, you know, I've heard that and... And I've probably met people sometimes and I think, wow, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of depth going on here. And, and, and I think sometimes we, that's one of the things that, that actually gets said about us as Christians. Hey, you know what, you're, you're, you're really shallow. And, and why do we get accused at times of being shallow? Perhaps it's because we're not willing to wrestle and go to a deeper understanding of God, of issues of, of world issues and things that are going on, of ourselves. You see, when God came and wrestled with Jacob, it sounds like he wrestled with him all night and the sun was about to, about to rise and, and for Jacob's sake he said, hey, this has got to stop. We've actually got to bring this to some sort of close. You know, God has got all the time in the world. In fact, He lives outside of time and space. He created time. He has actually got all the time he needs and all the time that you need to wrestle through things that you need to work out with him. It's not like he's saying, oh, you're on the clock. Okay, I've I've just done that now and I'm on to the next person. You know, you, you've you've had your five minutes, the clock's running. No, he says he says actually come and we will wrestle through this stuff until we sort it out, a- until we get an understanding where you can go forward and you can actually step into the opportunity that's ahead of you and you can receive the blessing. He wrestled with Jacob all night, like I've had to learn. With the boys, he knew when to call time. He knew just how much Jacob could take. I've shared some things that I've learnt from wrestling with our boys. But why do the boys love to wrestle with me? Well, I think, number one, because it's fun. They they have a great time. It's fun. It feels like fun. It feels exciting. But you know what, I, I, I want to say, I think there should be actually a joy in wrestling through our stuff with God. Sometimes we're sort of scared to go to some of those places, but you know what, he is the good, good father and he, he wants us to experience the joy of wrestling through our stuff with him. 
Why, why do the boys want to wrestle? Well, they want my undivided attention. Um, sometimes they believe that they've got to carry on a bit to get my attention. And, and, and sometimes, you know, their, their behaviour is going in a certain way and, um, and, and sometimes if I've got the presence of mind, you know, I'll think, now what do they need? And, and sometimes they need just to be picked up and given a hug and, and, and given some real close attention and saying, hey, you're all right, you know, you're a champion, we love you. Sometimes that's just what they need. Other times they actually need a wrestle. Some they need to be able to work some of their stuff out. You see, you have the Heavenly Father's attention. Sometimes we carry on a bit and sometimes we just need to actually feel the Heavenly Father's arms around us. Sometimes we just need to feel that He's there, that that He's got this, that He's with us. Other times we actually need to allow Him to come and wrestle through some of our stuff with us so that we can move forward into what He's got for us. Why else do the boys want to wrestle with me? Well, they want to prove themselves to each other and, and to me. Sometimes when they're wrestling with each other, I'll, I'll get involved and actually get them wrestling with me so that they don't hurt each other. Let's, let's allow God to wrestle with us instead of unnecessarily wrestling with people. Sometimes we're not getting on. Sometimes there's dissension around or sometimes it's not working in a team or a family or, you know, our church team. Stuff goes on all the time because we're human. But, but I think there's a great power in allowing God to wrestle with us rather than us projecting our stuff and our frustrations on everybody else. So let God wrestle with us rather than each other. Why do the boys like to wrestle with me? Well, they can project some of their frustration and anger in a safe place. And, and particularly um, for, for our boys, you know, they've, they've had things in their life. Well, you know what? They, they need to be able to project some of that in a safe place. You know, the hallmark of a mature Christian is taking our frustrations to God rather than projecting them on people. The boys want to know that I'm strong enough. They want to know that I'm actually strong enough to wrestle with them, strong enough to protect them. You know, I think sometimes God actually just needs you to wrestle with him so that you get a greater understanding of the fact that he is strong enough, that he's got it, that he's there to protect you, that he's going to take you through this. You know, there's a, a whole lot you learn in wrestling with God. The boys also want to know that I'm kind enough. They want to know that, that we can have a full-on wrestling match where, where they can try and go ballistic, but they want to know that I'm still going to be kind, that I'm still going to love them, I'm still going to protect them. You know what? When you wrestle with God, when you take your stuff to Him, when you take some of your frustrations and all those things to Him, you know, it is a safe place and, and you will actually, in your frustration, in some of our own brokenness as people, in some of our own immaturity, you will actually experience the acceptance and the kindness of a loving Father who is actually going to come with you and He's going to, in a safe way, wrestle through your stuff. You know, the boys also want to know that they will be accepted in adversity. There is something in them that says, you know what, if, if, if I can wrestle with Dad now, 
you know, when it gets tough later on in my life, you know what? I know, I know that he's still going to be there. I, I know that he's going to be strong enough. I know that he's going to be there when the chips are down. I know that he's going to be with me through adversity. Verse 29 says, Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob. See, when he said it was time to stop, Jacob said, I don't think we're finished yet. I am not going to let you go until you bless me. And when you first read that, you think that's pretty arrogant, isn't it? He's wrestling with God and God says, hey, it's time. But, but Jacob says, no, we're not finished yet. I'm going to hold on until you bless me. And, and I think what God wants from us is this intensity where we're saying, I am not going to let you go until we sort this out. I'm not going to let you go till I know that you have blessed me and, and, and done what you need to do in me so I can walk into the opportunity that is in front of me. I want to encourage you this this morning, whatever you're going through, don't let go of God until he blesses you. Don't let go in the middle of the fight. Don't get let go before he's finished because he wants to bless you. He wants to take you through it. What happens after this? Jacob limps towards this tense reunion with his brother Esau with a weakened body and a strengthened faith. You know what? All our struggling with God in faith leads to peace. And many of you would know where this encounter goes, that he, he actually has this reunion with his brother and they, and they sort it out and they find peace between each other. But it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't until he'd been through the wrestle with God that God could get Jacob in a position and a place where he could reconcile with his brother. Sometimes we can be weakened in the battle, we can be damaged in the storm, but you know what? When we wrestle with God, we might feel weak physically or even emotionally, but we'll have a strengthened faith. God addressed Jacob's fear by requiring him to wrestle all night. This probably felt to Jacob like bad timing because he had a lot going on when he actually just wanted comfort and assurance that everything was all right. But later he would have realised just how comforting it was that God came and wrestled with him and unpacked what was going on in his life. You know what? Sometimes when we want comfort from God, he actually sends it in an unknown and even what can feel like an unwanted package. But we've got to understand that our Father actually wants good things for us. He knows us better than he knows ourselves and he will come to you and if you will allow him, he will actually wrestle through the stuff till he gets us to a place where we can get a great outcome and we can experience the blessing and we can step into opportunity. When God calls us to wrestle with him, there's always more going on than we first understand. God uses it to transform us for good. When God calls you to wrestle with him in prayer, it's an invitation to receive a blessing. Stay with him. Don't give up. 
Don't let go. Don't let go until he blesses you. He loves to bless you. He's, he loves that sort of tenacious faith that will allow us to be transformed and will allow us to be humble enough to receive what he's got for us. He is kind. He knows when to stop. And he will be with you and he will step with you into the blessed opportunity that is ahead of you.